Hello, everyone. Welcome to VR Download. I'm Ian Hamilton, broadcasting from New York, and joined by my colleague, David Heaney, from London, in virtual reality. We're here using headsets in a custom-built broadcast recording studio made in Unity by my co-host here. I'm using a Quest Pro with face and eye tracking to express myself live to an audience on YouTube while recording this episode. And David is, I think, on a Quest 2 this week without those extra features. David Heaney, what do we have coming up today? Yeah, we have an interesting show today. First, we'll talk about the Quest V57 update. We'll then talk about Apple's proclamation that nearly all iPad and iPhone apps will be available on Vision Pro at launch. We'll talk about Meta offering all in-person Roblox developers conference attendees a free Quest Pro. The Pimax Crystal firmware update, which adds eye tracking and standalone mode. We'll talk about that really controversial news that's been rippling across the wider games industry today, that Unity is going to start charging developers per install. And finally, we will talk about the evidence and speculation that Valve may be working on a consoleized PC to power its wireless VR headset. So not a fully standalone Quest style headset, but something more akin to, say, a wireless PSVR 2 approach. Yeah, and I'm seeing in our comments recycled mentioned that the Beyond is reported shipping. That's another article that we should have up uh, very soon, hopefully. Uh, I actually have the big screen Beyond in my possession. I spent the weekend with the, what I guess I would call it the consumer version of big screen Beyond. Um, I, I played some Alex, played some Beat Saber, uh, tried out. A couple different things. What I really need to give, I haven't had time for, is a two-hour movie test. Again, I have the the test of an early production unit uh, from our early hands-on report. I need to sit down through a complete movie and hopefully 4K. Uh, it's actually going to be that's going to be one of the challenges is getting my hands on a 4K movie to watch uh, specifically in big screen uh, at the best possible. Uh, route i'm just going to go in big screen and see what i can find there i just hope it's going to be at the maximum uh bit rate and just see if see how my eyes feel after two hours because uh it definitely feels incredibly light in those uh short spans of time it's just extended use uh is a different test and that's i think what people out there are going to be wanting to know uh how that holds up and so uh that's going to be an ongoing thing getting uh, our big screen beyond impressions and review out there i was hoping to get into more of it today but uh, we're going to have to even keep the impressions, I think, for next week uh, and the weeks after. And then, of course, we've got um, the MetaConnect coming up in just a couple of weeks. We'll probably do our predictions at some point uh, soon on that as well. Um, and, yeah, uh, Quest V57 update looks to be a big one. Um, what do we have in this update? And uh what can we expect to roll out because these things just to recap for our viewers take a couple weeks to roll out so if you've got a quest and you're not seeing these things uh don't worry yeah not only do the updates take a while to roll out so you may not get it in the next few days it may take you a few weeks to get it but even the features within the update roll out separately to the update itself which is very confusing for knowing which version you have obviously you can check in your headset settings and about which version you have but 
that doesn't mean you'll get these features. So I wouldn't say this is a huge update. The last update, V56, was pretty huge, but this is fairly minor depending on what your personal use cases are. The, the first thing is that it adds some fine detail customization to the avatars. You seem to be able to go in and really choose your exact colors and change even things like adding hair highlights. Uh, this is something, again, that will roll out separately to the update. So Meta's obviously uh, looking to allow you to customize that avatar a lot more than beforehand. What we did see in, in the public test channel of V57 was avatar legs being available uh, in V57, in home at least, but Meta has not confirmed whether that will be in the public release. I'm still running the public test channel. I haven't got the public release. We did reach out to Meta, but we did not get a response as to whether that is the case. Uh, the other thing that V57 brings on, did you want to say something about that? Oh, just we just a reminder that we are leading up to Connect, right? Of course, and they could be, you know, it's a leaky ship. Meta has leaked multiple headsets uh, of their last few announcements and a lot of details leak even uh, ahead of the Connect conference sometimes. So uh, maybe they're trying to do a, a little bit of a cone of silence right now. Uh, and, you know, as you pointed out at the beginning of this, right, they can out, they can flip the switch on a lot of these features at any given moment. And, you know, there may be surprises for actually the Connect. I would not be surprised to see them turn something on right at the end of Connect. And I, I don't know if it's legs, but, uh, you know, if they could drop uh, new content or anything like that at the end of Connect. Legs would make a lot of sense for Connect. Last Connect, you know, they obviously announced that the avatars were getting legs. Legs has been one of those things that have been, you know, ridiculed from the wider tech and gaming media is, you know, how on earth do these avatars not have legs? Obviously, we've pointed out in this show before, in VR, when you're driving an avatar with real head and hand motion, it's a lot harder to add convincing legs because you're going to look down if it's in first person and see legs that do not match your own. Whereas if you're just playing on a, a TV or, or a monitor, it, it doesn't really matter because you're just controlling a, a disembodied from yourself character with a thumbstick. So in the public test channel build, there are legs. They're only in third person. So you'll see them in the mirror. You'll see them on other people in your home. Uh, but you won't see it when you look down. And that means you, you avoid that issue where there's this kind of mismatch between your real legs and your fake legs. But We'll see if that's actually in the real build. The other change here uh, is quite a controversial one, it's, though I don't think it's actually as much of a change as some people think. It's that they have rebranded the default UI from Explore to Horizon Feed. So that default UI is the panel that comes up when you boot up your headset. It shows you things like suggested apps, uh, your recent apps, online friends. Even recently in V55, they added... Facebook and Instagram reels, you know, their TikTok style short portrait orientation videos, which is a bizarre one. I don't think anyone's going to want to boot up their quest and start watching reels, but maybe I'm wrong about that. That does all seem to still be a feature in Horizon Feed, but they've rebranded it. And from the image here, it looks like it's going to have a more of a focus on Horizon Worlds destinations, such as this Super Rumble shooter that they released recently using the next generation creator tools with model importing and TypeScript. Yeah, we had some debate internally about just how big a deal it is that Horizon is getting front and center billing. Meta obviously is one of the most experienced companies in the world. I, I suppose that A-B testing products and force feeding new features that they want to be an integral part of the service. And we know Horizon has been years in the making. 
Um, and, and we think things like uh, it looks apparent that Horizon is going to be part of the Quest app. Is that where we're going with with the way this is going to roll out the web version at least? Yeah, it looks like at least for the beta, they are offering it as a web app that's distributed through the Quest app, though it also does seem to be accessible through a website as well. I think that's just the end result will probably just be the the web. When you want to access Horizon from outside VR, you just go to the URL of the experience you want to go to. Mm. So you kind of get that I same just, advantage of no installs. Yeah, I need to see this. No installs. Yeah, very I- ironic given uh, the the way all of these things are playing out, right? I, I uh, We've got Unity news to get to at some point uh, here where it, it is... I need to understand the flow of content, right? From the moment you send me some place for us to go enjoy together in VR to actually like, what is the first thing I see when I'm inside headset? Um, And we've been, we've been bashing our heads against party systems for years. It's been a miserable, miserable failure to just have this flow go really nicely from an in world, in real world interaction to Let's go meet up in headset. And like, I just wonder if this is the beginning of, of them trying to get that right once and for all. But I don't know. We'll see where where we go. I mean, I think this kind of just builds on that destination system that they've been developing out and building for a long time now. You know, in, in any app that uses this API, you just send an invite link to someone and they click and they join into that experience. And that's what you see here with this go button. It's not launching an app. It's launching a destination, which are kind of sections within apps that developers mark. So, you know, a golf course in golf plus or, you know, a certain level in a shooter. And, and it really is just a matter of, the old story with Meta's ecosystem, which is that none of this is really enforced. So some developers will support it and others won't, and you won't really know which app you're in. And and some developers would say, that's great. I love that Meta don't enforce these things and I have the freedom to choose to adopt these. Other people want platform consistency. Apple is a, you know, a, a typical example of a company that tends to enforce these things. And you get a lot of developers that say, I really hate that Apple makes me do X, Y, and Z just to ship an app. But then you have a lot of users that say, I love the consistency across the Apple ecosystem that I know that a certain core device feature is always going to be supported in every app. So that is a kind of balance between developers and users there. The last feature that is noteworthy in V57 is that in some apps with mixed reality, that's a direct quote from Meta, there will no longer be a trigger of the boundary system. So the guardian boundary will no longer trigger in some mixed reality apps. This is something that kind of makes sense when you think about it because that boundary is really useful in VR so you don't bump into your walls and furniture. But in mixed reality, you can already see the room around you. It's really just annoying to have that giant boundary come up and block your view of the real world. And Meta actually knows this. Uh, Meta's head of VR, when we asked them about this earlier this year, said that they agreed. But what they pointed out is that some apps are going to be hybrid between VR and mixed reality. And, you know, if you've done the I expect you to die mixed reality experience that they built, you'll notice that you're, you start off being inside a, uh, a wooden box. So that's, a mixed reality app that is blocking your entire view of the real world at the start. So there is this kind of strange line between what is mixed reality, what is virtual reality, where sometimes you may want the boundary. We have no idea exactly which apps will have the boundary turned off in V57. We don't know how it's being chosen. Is Meta doing this 
per app? Are some developers being given a private API? We don't know. But what is key is that the boundary system cannot be a thing in mixed reality. It's just a terrible experience. What we do know from, uh, if you tuned into one of our recent previous episodes, is that Quest 3 will be able to generate an environment mesh of your room. So we expect that based on some leaks earlier this year, that Guardian may be replaced with a smart Guardian, where instead of a boundary around you, it just kind of shows you when you get near to your furniture as a 3D object. Yeah, and I just did confirm, I appreciate the report in our comments that, yeah, the right at the end of that Apple event that we just came out of, Apple did confirm the pro model of the 15 will shoot spatial video of some kind. We're going to have to see how that actually looks in real life, uh, actually experience that video straight from phone to Apple Vision Pro headset. But that is a pretty big announcement to confirm right at the end of the the Apple keynote there that the, the new iPhone should have uh, some special capabilities specifically for the Vision Pro uh, to experience video in that format. So I uh, can't wait to, to get to the details of that one. But uh, what yeah, is let's the talk about existing Apple. news that we have to get into here? Yeah, so I mean, we can talk about that as well. You know, now we're talking about Apple. It makes sense to talk about all these things. So uh, the news we have this week from Apple is uh, that almost all, nearly all iPad and iPhone apps will be available on Vision Pro at launch. It's a huge advantage of Apple that Meta simply cannot catch in any reasonable way. You will be able to bring up from the App Store, no need to sideload or do any kind of fancy nonsense like that. You'll be able to go on the App Store and Vision Pro and access the vast majority of iPad and iPhone apps. And developers can even use Apple's universal purchase system. So any app that you have purchased, if the developer wants, will be crossed by across to Vision Pro. Uh, you know, that is for um, the their Vision Pro version of the app. So this is, yeah, you basically get all of those apps with iCloud. You get all the data from those apps. So it's not like you have to re-kind re of set up everything. You have your same workspace in headset as you have on your iPhone and iPad. And that's obviously going to be really, really significant. And as I said, it's something that Meta just cannot match. Mm. Yeah, so uh, again, I want to see this in action. I, I want to feel what it, what it's like to have a... Uh, like an iPhone app on a flat surface, interacting with it. Uh, I remember they had the similar path from, famously, from iPhone to iPad, right, where all the iPhone apps would work on iPad. You could enlarge them to make them 2X and have them, you know, you would only want to interact with the iPhone app in iPad mode for maybe five minutes before it felt really ugly and uncomfortable and you really didn't want to like play with that app anymore just because it was not custom built for that screen. If if this falls into that same realm, it's going to be necessary for a lot of devs to upgrade their experience to make it a, a real good experience on the Vision Pro. But we could be surprised, right? It could feel much closer to one-to-one -one when you've got that sort of interaction scheme. Yeah, that eye tracking interaction is going to be interesting to see how that works. What we do know is that developers are encouraged to build a native Vision OS version of their app, but we know that obviously very few developers are going to really do that because at first, this is a $3,500 product that has reportedly serious mass production issues. This is not going to be something that is at scale yet. 
But what we do know is that Apple is giving developers a middle ground option where they can actually enhance their iPhone and iPad apps to work a little bit better on Vision Pro without having to build a whole new app. Again, that's just another advantage of Apple's ecosystem approach here. Uh, they can do things that are just not going to be practical for Meta to compete with. Yeah, and of course, okay, so let's get into these other things that have happened, right? The double pinch is, is a massive, massive thing. Uh, I, w- I want you to address this now. How is this, how, does it interfere in any way? Because it's, I, I was thinking about this, right, where uh, I've got my Apple Watch on my right wrist, and now the pinch gesture to access the menu is right here. Um, if I give, if I receive a phone call, like it was used for a lot of different things. One of the things that they showed this gesture being used for is you could remotely look at your phone's camera um, on your watch. So like imagine you're doing a family portrait and you're looking at your, your picture up here to make sure everyone's in the right place. And then look at the camera and make the gesture, you know, right there. And it's it's cool. It's even picking it up from my Quest Pro cameras right here. Uh, but you do the gesture right there and take your picture just like that. It's such a cool. I, they Apple is pretty bold in their commentary about this, saying that you won't go back. Like you will use this a lot in the future. And uh, you know. Meta's been building to it for years. Microsoft has had the same gesture. It's just Apple is going to have this on millions of watches very shortly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting watch feature. And if you're for smartwatch users, it's going to be a big step forward rather than having to always fiddle with a screen. But I don't see it as being, I don't really agree with you that it's kind of a revolutionary AR or VR relevant feature. When you're wearing a Vision Pro, it's the detection is going to be done with computer vision. I imagine with Apple's integration, they will just filter out the watch. They will tell the watch that when you're wearing the headset, which they know, ecosystem integration, ignore pinches while it, while you're in the headset. You take the headset off and your watch starts working again. There was no indication of any sort that this is going to be integrated. And I, you know, I want to be clear, you know, you, you have pointed out that this is different from what Meta is doing, but it's dramatically different. It's the difference between a Wii controller that can detect you, you know, making a punching gesture versus a VR controller that can detect your exact precise position. What Meta is researching is the ability to precisely know exactly where each finger is down to submillimeter for each joint. This is a pinch gesture. It's cool. I'm sure it'll sell a lot of watches. I'm sure it'll be great for people that love to use their smartwatch without their phone, you know, when exercising and on a run, but it doesn't have any kind of dramatic VR feature. We know Vision Pro can already precisely detect those pinches. Mm. Yeah. And I was even demonstrating right here. It was, it was picking up a bunch of these gestures right there. It's, I, I get what you're saying. I still, it's it's like saying there's no mouse, like we just showed you the mouse click and it's going to be, everyone's going to be do, doing those mouse clicks everywhere in the future. And it's going to be, you don't think you're going to do that gesture in Vision Pro as well? No, you will, telling? but you... You will, but you don't need to watch. What makes it the mouse click in Vision Pro is the eye tracking that guides it. It's like having a mouse that doesn't move. That's just a button. This is the difference between a button and a mouse. You know, the eye tracking is what makes it magical. The ability we can pinch right now in Quest. It's you know, 
that that doesn't change much. You, the ability to detect a pinch doesn't matter unless you have a selector. The selector being the eyes. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting discussion. It, it is. It's it's paradigm changing. And I saw this question from Alyssa, one of our longtime watches. I see Alyssa in our comments a lot. Thank you for tuning in uh, over there from Denver, asking this this really this question. We could read a couple different ways. Of uh, do you think there will ever be virtual computers in virtual reality? It's a it's actually a, a pretty common meme, uh, old story of multiple levels of reality. Uh, I remember reading a book on virtual reality when I first started trying to become uh, focused on this full time, and then at the very beginning of the book is just talking about how we refer to base level reality. Is it is it level zero, and do we count up from there? Um, I've had this discussion multiple ways. I think a lot about emulators and emulating video games and how we could have a world where perhaps I have a ROM, uh, in my pocket, uh, and I bring it into a space and I want to put it into a, uh, a console that is emulated to the chip layer. Um, and I, and I take my ROM and I stick it in just like a normal old cartridge and it works one-to-one exactly as if, um, you know, it had been a real physical console. There's a pathway there. There is, there are people working on trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but it's it, already is, been done. it is hard. MUVR is, is one of the greatest apps on PC VR. You can do exactly that. You can take a cartridge and put it in to a SNES or a Nintendo 64 or a original PlayStation. And you physically have that thing in front of you. It, it, it's a, great concept it's it's cool uh more onto that question i imagine plenty of retro computers and you know we'll probably see uh um, things like virtual museums i'm pretty sure some people in vr chat have attempted this though you know it's not exactly a direct emulation there but yeah it's it's a it's a cool concept i think more broadly though these headsets are going to become more like computers and apple calls vision pro a a spatial computer because the point of this is that it's not an accessory it is a full-fledged computing device in itself yeah so approaching that question from a different angle uh, i noticed in apple's marketing they use the terminology infinite canvas and it really it's it's been promised for the last decade by every platform i can think of and in in every possible way microsoft had sort of you know, it's home space where you could have, you could hang 2D apps everywhere. There was the app, the startup that they killed when they rolled that feature out because the startup was like, oh, Microsoft is doing app management in spatial, uh, in space. We're done. Um, we've got a uh, virtual desktop doing it in its own degree. I mean, like it's doing home monitors. Every, I think about the history of computing. The history of computing is battling over how to manage windows, how to manage rectangles in space. And uh, you have, for the first time, a major technology company coming out and saying, this thing is going to give you unlimited real estate and uh, unlimited screen real estate. And And I don't know how to like... What we've seen over the last two years is like we've complained about it multiple times in the show where Meta has put the virtual desktop features hidden inside the workrooms app where you have to sign up for multiple things and get into it. 
And then you get access to being able to access your desktop PC inside VR. It's a ridiculous thing to put it that many layers deep just to have the basic experience of having all of your PC apps in, in virtual space with you. Here you've got Apple coming out and saying, all your iPhone apps, all your iPad apps, and it's running an M2, all your Mac apps are going to be able to hangable, be hangable in space around you where you no longer have to limit yourself to uh, whether it's 12 inches on your smallest laptop, 15 inches on the highest end laptop, or you know, 20 inches on, on some of the desktops. You, you're like Those are all a joke. You forget that constraint in the upcoming years. That's what Apple is saying with its computing platform. And it's, it's a big promise that we've yet to see them fully deliver. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The idea is that the apps, I think this is the exact wording they almost use was that your apps are no longer constrained to these little screens that you had before. You know, the apps can exist wherever you want. You're, you're in the kitchen and you want to place Netflix on your fridge. You just tap on your fridge and Netflix is now on your fridge. The, the only one thing I would say is for now, it's not Mac apps. You can see your Mac screen in the, in the virtual desktop style, but that's still the one separation here. This Vision OS is based on iOS, which is also what iPad OS is based on. It's not actually the, the Mac architecture. So that is going to be the one struggle in terms of calling this a full-fledged computer. Apple has for years been tried to pitch the iPad Pro as a computer replacement. And there are some people who can use it for that. There are, there are video editors, there are artists, there are business people who use the iPad Pro as their computer. And they had that very you know controversial, uh, almost sort of... Uh, asking for controversy ad saying what's a computer where they you know they hand they say you know what are you doing on your computer to someone with an ipad and they say what's a computer this is going this debate is going to extend into vision pro because it's it's in a way it's it's an ipad pro without the form factor limitations but it's still not running those full desktop apps you know ironically you can't build a vision os app in Vision OS, you still need to use Mac OS to do that. It's still the kind of the king where everything is built. So, but this gets to another like element of this uh, that like it's really hard to convey. But you think of any any person's photo library; they have somewhere in the thousands. Uh, big, you know, photographers might have hundreds of thousands of photos in their photo library. Uh, people who have been in like a Google library or an Apple library building up an iCloud library for years probably has tens of thousands of photos and videos. And the only way to manage those today is by like stretching and shrinking uh, a timeline of photos, a grid of photos. And it's a miserable, miserable experience to, to have to sort through hundreds of photos when you know you're you're just you're going against the screen real estate for this function it it and what we've got here we're at the cusp of being able to lay out hundreds of photos very similar to the way we used to do it in physical reality where like you you just put 10 photos out on a piece of paper here and oh that one and you you know you grab the one you instantly want immediately and aligning these two interfaces and, and making sure that we get the best of both worlds, right? Uh, 2D panes everywhere. And then the advantages, advantages of like spatial sorting. We have yet to see anyone do spatial sorting 
And I cannot wait till like I've got a file management app that lets me like literally, you know, toss things in the trash over there. Right. Or, you know, group them all together and then throw a whole wad of them in the trash, like making file management fun. It sounds so stupid and ridiculous, but like it's literally going to make our interface for simple everyday tasks way more intuitive and useful. But it's just it's the layers have to be built one by one for people to accept them. Yeah, I think that's a great point because people often think of this pitch of, you know, using traditional apps and headsets as just being able to position different windows around you. But it's not just, as you point out, even UI elements within those windows can come out of it. And this is something that we've frustratingly not seen meta leverage at all. When you're using a pain app on a panel app on Quest or a 2D web app, it's all still just within that rectangle. You can place that rectangle around you. You can make it massive. You can have three of them, but those UI elements live within that rectangle, which is you know, a bit silly when you think about it, because what Apple showed at their event at WWDC were plenty of apps where different parts of the app could exist in different spatial areas around you. You have the menu bar over here and the presentation up here. And we see that in a lot of the Vision OS native apps. This is not something we'll see in these iPhone and iPad apps that are going to be there, but this is the real advantage of developers actually building out for Vision OS. And yeah, it, it's so puzzling to me why no other company has really attempted this yet, but I'm, this is one of the things I'm most forward to, uh, most looking forward to trying in Vision Pro because one of the kind of limitations of using an iPad as a computer is that you're still bounded within this rectangle. And if you get these same apps, but you have the power to move them around and this is being driven by an M2 chip, I wonder, will we see this become a, a more general purpose computer even without running Mac apps? Will this actually deliver on Apple's you know, 10 year goal to make an iPad a computer replacement. You keep, you keep talking about not running Mac apps, but I want to understand it does. We, the Apple has confirmed it's running an M2 chip. So, uh, what, where, what are the chances that's still yet to be confirmed uh, a little bit more directly? Well, it's fairly unlikely. There are iPad Pros that run the M2 chip. You know, they've been putting M1 and M2 and iPad Pros for years now, but it really is an operating system thing. Uh, this is, they have confirmed directly that Vision OS is based on iOS. It is not based on Mac OS. And that's what you would expect. It's not, Mac is, Mac OS is not designed for applications like this. The entire architecture of the OS is just different. So, so hypothetically, let's say a game like No Man's Sky, which is running on M2 now, um, would you, let's say that the developers of that prioritized an, an iPhone iOS build of, of No Man's Sky that has yet to exist. They're on every other pop platform. Uh, they've, would announced it run? they've announced they're going to put it on iPad, No Man's Sky. So that iPad app, in, in theory, should be able to run on a virtual screen in Vision Pro. And you hold a controller and you have a gigantic 100-inch screen in front of you and you're playing it just like you would on a console. Just like you would on a console, not immersive VR. So, and that's what I was trying to understand, the gap there uh, power-wise uh, between delivering a VR immersive version of that and a, a flat-screen version of it. So the M2 is a very, very impressive chip, but it is still a chip that is designed to work within portable devices like this. It is about a third as powerful as a PlayStation 5, and the PlayStation 5 seems to be the first time that a No Man's Sky feels great in VR. We talked about that in a, a previous episode with foveated rendering, how that gets there. I, I can't see them pulling that off on 
Vision Pro, not to mention the the question of how the input would work without you know buttons and track controllers, given how that game works. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just don't think that's something we're going to see for now. Uh, we'll probably see you know games like Rec Room and games like Demio and other sort of mobile style VR games coming with higher fidelity. Mm, I. You know, Meta has been Meta has been on its own. Um, it, it's it's been only a few companies that have been announcing machine learning tools, uh, and Apple has been not using machine learning to describe their technologies for years that have been based around machine learning advances. Um, I really question how far Apple can get with with some of the things that they'll do over time uh, on their platform. Um, and one of the things I want to see is well, I'm going to be a I'm gonna, until we have it. I'm going to be a broken record about this, like tapping into your experience, objects around you, and starting with the gamepad. Right? I want I want an Xbox 360 gamepad. You know, I, I wish we had those prior to having keyboards as objects that you could sync up and bring into your workspace. Like at the end of the day, would it have wouldn't it have made sense for Meta to focus on bringing gamepads as tracked objects into your space before bringing keyboards as tracked objects into your space? Because it's a game console on your face. But Not you a, have touch controllers are basically a game console controller cut in half. That you know, Meta doesn't need to worry about that because you have uh, buttons and thumbsticks and triggers. The only thing they're missing is kind of, you know, you have a D pad on a console and you have a uh, bumpers. But you know, you could you could use the grips as bumpers. I mean, you can play a lot of traditional Android apps siloed on Quest with the touch controllers acting as a gamepad. You just like I said, you're missing a D pad. That's it. It's just all right. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm going to drop this for now, but there is a mode of play and the mode of play is a game pad in one hand and my hand, you know, just pointing at the, you know, doing gestures or pointing at the environment or moving the game pad to this hand and I'm pointing at stuff here and I'm doing stuff with my environment here. There's an entire UI interaction scheme built around this internet. You know, no one has pursued it and I have to understand, is it just a bad idea or is no one you know, has someone just tried it on? Well, the right I think scale? it's it's not possible today on any of the headsets. They either are in hand tracking mode or in controller mode. But we know that Quest Pro is getting multimodal. We know that it's highly, highly likely that Quest Three will get multimodal because it's always running hand tracking, even when you're using those controllers. So I expect that's something we'll see announced the Connect. I expect that's something we'll see games like Walkabout Mini Golf and Golf Plus and, and Eleven Table Tennis to support within the next six months on Quest. The problem with then doing it in Apple is, I mean, have you ever tried to hold a, a, a traditional Xbox style gamepad in one hand? They're not designed for that use case. The whole point of the touch controller, the touch controller for the original Riff was developed by Carbon Design, the same team that built the Xbox controller. And what they basically did was took an Xbox controller, split it in half and give you one half for each hand. I, I mean, I just feel like we're getting back to the, 
the, the sort of refusal by many in the VR industry to accept Apple is not supporting tracked controllers with thumbsticks and buttons and triggers. And so many people want to find any possible route that this is going to happen. There's been everything suggested from HTC will do it to they'll support Nintendo controllers to they'll have a partnership with PlayStation. The, the, the cold hard fact here is that Apple called them clumsy hardware controllers and that's not what they want for this product. Maybe in two, three, five years, but it's just not happening. Apple does not want to use controllers in the first generation of this product at the very least. <sighs> I always, always, always have to process your, your emotional bombs. Why you gotta, why you gotta mess with my day like that? I want, <laughs> I want those. Yeah, no, I want those things. Um, no, I, I, I get it. I just, it feels like this specific mode of play has so much to offer. This this idea of of specific game pads where you have the two sticks, you have you have dozens of these game pads in some homes, right? Like you've got three from one system, three for another system. If you want to play as a family, and like there's a lot of systems that can be made to navigate uh, with with that. I would love the idea of. I, I wondered about this idea of like if you just have immersive mode only when the stick isn't being pressed that would get me through a lot of a lot of worlds but only last what is it last week that youtube just added a transitional phase from going from vr mode to fully immersive mode there's not many apps that have done the technical experience technical work to be able to transfer from a 2d mode over there to fully immersive and one of them that's in my memory is minecraft and i loved it and I've and Minecraft worked this way that I'm describing, and it would have only have gotten better if I also had my hands gripping that that Minecraft controller in my hand. Yeah, I think being able to toggle like that is a fascinating idea. A lot of sorry, a few PlayStation VR two apps are doing it. That that YouTube thing you're talking about, where it changes from being a home panel app to a VR app, it seems to be something that is a private API that will likely be announced at Connect. If, if we're talking about Connect predictions. I expect that's what Meta will will show. They will show that an app can be a 2D app within your home space and then toggle back and forth between immersive VR mode, which you know means you can use it however you want. It could also help them bring in Android apps because obviously the news here was that uh, Apple is bringing in all of these iPad apps. Meta may want to try and do the same thing with Android tablet apps while also saying to developers, you can add these extension to your app where you go into a virtual reality environment as well. Only time will tell. We, we should very quickly just cover the fact that the other Apple news that just went live on uploadvr.com is that at the Apple event, uh, the event where they announced the iPhone 15 series and that new watch, Tim Cook confirmed that the Vision Pro is still on track to ship in the US in early 2024. Free Sky saying, I don't get why Apple couldn't sell track controls controllers so, sold separately for gamers. Uh, the the answer to that would be that they didn't sell the Apple Pencil in the first generation of iPad or I think even second. I can't remember when they actually rolled it out uh, generation-wise. But they're launching a new platform with a new um, interaction mechanism and they want to make it a bridge. This, the news today is there's very clearly a bridge here from iOS and iPad OS to Vision Pro that they want to support and and really own. And to to David 
update Vitini's point is, you know, meta over on the meta ecosystem, they put a lot of effort into tracking keyboards. Yeah, Apple will have that. But like Meta's had to build up that portion of their ecosystem from scratch. Apple needs to bring over millions of developers uh, or customers and then thousands of developers to get them over. Looks like we got a comment there. Do you want to get into that from Vexner? Yeah, we have a $20 comment. Thank you for the donation, Vexner. And Vexner asks, could there be a graph with VR tech slash hardware slash software as graphed points iterating towards a one-to-one match of perception and sensation for each human sense and be updated somewhere regularly, i.e. eyes need 32K, current HDMI does 16K. It's a fascinating idea to try and map where exactly is VR along the path to each uh, matching each sense as particularly you know on a smaller scope there for vision that's a great idea we've talked before about meta's prototypes that push the different areas from high dynamic range to verifocal to retinal Uh, that's a good idea for an article we'll definitely consider showing you know where is vr today how far has it come since the oculus rift prototype in 2012 and how long does it have to go great idea yeah, it's a it, absolutely fantastic idea, and I can think of a few people we can call up to to approach this in a really meaningful way uh, to, to get at at that question that they're getting to. Previously, uh, the closest thing I think I've seen to what's being asked for there is at the previous MediConnect events. Michael Abrash often shows a few charts uh, indicating where field of view, where human field of view vision uh, is, where headsets today are. And what I think is happening, and Vexner is kind of hinting at, Meta has actually hinted a few of these things, that um, when we've gone and done their Seagraph experimental research headsets, those things, that they could take those back and do user studies. And for things like HDR or brightness on displays, they could do a test and test 100 people and say, did you prefer it at this brightness or this brightness? Did you prefer it at this brightness or this brightness? And zero in on exactly what specifications they want to nail for their next display where it actually makes a meaningful difference to have things at that slightly better uh, specification, or whether it's brightness or field of view or resolution. And, you know, we've seen hints that they are doing these studies behind closed doors. It would be useful for us to have like a public version of that where we talk about uh, the pathway all the way to retinal uh, retinal resolution. That, But thank you so much for the, the idea, and it's a, something we'll come back to. Yeah, and that is a good point that the other factor there is about where do diminishing returns start. And Ian's right to point out that is a big area of focus for Meta's research because you can map out to where it theoretically needs to be to match a certain human perception but in many cases the the early research suggests you are going to get a point past which diminishing returns hit hard and maybe you know five percent or ten percent of people can even tell the difference beyond a certain point so this is going to be something that isn't just like all of vr and and reviewing vr headsets and assessing things this is uniquely amongst technology a lot more subjective than objective. There are a lot of technologies that, you know, if you're talking about reviewing a graphics card, or you're talking about reviewing, you know, a monitor, a lot of this is just raw specs. But as, as I've been saying for years and as many in the industry have said for years, the experience of using a VR headset is so 
multifactorial and so based on all of these subtle little differences that are hard or impossible to measure that sometimes it just comes down to the subjective and you can actually have a headset that is theoretically on paper better than another one that just isn't when you try it and when you first do have that happen to you you realize this that that all of these the experience of using a vr headset is all of these different technologies coming together at once yeah i I'm using it's it's an amazing time, and when we get to this last subject, we kind of got to move to it fast because I'm I'm coming up a time limit um, here. So let's move on to Meta offering uh, all in-person Roblox developers at the Roblox Developers Conference a free Quest Pro. We tried to get a more specific number out of Meta on exactly how many units got sent out, uh, but there were supposedly thousands at this event. Is that right? Yeah, the CEO of Roblox said that there were thousands of people in attendance. Meta offered everyone a headset. All they had to do was come up to a certain desk at the event to pick up a Quest Pro. We do not know what percentage or how many of developers actually did that. This wasn't one of the situations where they can, you know, go home and redeem it. They had to actually pick it up at the event. So we don't know how many people did that. Obviously, Meta's incentive here is that Roblox has just launched on Quest and App Lab, and they want to make sure as many Roblox experience creators support VR as possible because you have to actually tick VR and make sure that your experience is optimized to work on a headset. If you don't have a headset, you'll have no idea how to do that. You have one of these sitting on your desk, $1,000 free from Meta, you're going to probably want to do that. Daniel Leeper, that's one way to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Demonic yeah, waffles. I take a pro for free, but not for money. Yeah, I understand yeah. that sentiment. Uh you can see you can see the joy on my face from having a quest pro. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I mean we yeah, this is probably <laughs> a big reason for doing this. I don't think this was fully altruistic. We know that Quest Pro has had pretty atrocious seals compared to Quest 2. We know that reportedly Meta is not ordering any new components so when the existing component inventory runs out the production of this headset will end and i expect that their launch of quest 3 will tank the seals of this thing to near zero i can't imagine anyone other than a few niche applications still buying this headset after quest 3 comes out yeah uh, no more no more no more of those pops hopefully let's move on to the pimax crystal um the firmware update adding the eye tracking feature in standalone mode. This was a, I, I have a hard time not laughing my way through describing a Pimax crystal update. Uh, just go explain it, explain it to them. Uh, little scampy, just to respond to your comment first, the Roblox thing was meta and quest pro not vision pro that was not apple and vision pro so no roblox is not confirmed for vision pro to be crystal no. clear there did i i miss maybe i misspoke one of us no I, I, don't, I don't think so i think they just maybe okay. got the wrong idea it's it, it's it's easy to do quest pro vision pro we get mixed up all the time but yeah th this is the pimax crystal it launched in may after six months of delays it was originally pitched as a kind of standalone headset but then it launched without standalone functionality and uh, it launched without eye tracking either. So it's a, it's a PC VR headset in effect. Uh, the standalone mode that they've just released supports eight apps, most of which are nobody's ever heard of. It's some, the only real one that's important is OpenBrush, which is the open source derivative of TiltBrush. Uh, 
the the cool thing about this though is eye tracking. So so this headset is not like Pimax's previous headsets, which were all focused on ultra wide field of view. Despite the bulk of this thing, it actually has a, a relatively typical field of view. It's somewhere around Quest Pro and Valve Index. What this headset is about is resolution. They have 2880 by 2880 panels in here to deliver what they say is the highest angular resolution of consumer VR. So you get this thing if you're a sim racer, uh, you're a flight sim fan, or you're just a PC VR user that wants maximum resolution. And with eye tracking that they've now released, it supports foveated rendering. And Pimax claims that this actually works in any app. It doesn't need to be integrated by the developer, almost any Steam VR app. And they, they say that you will get between a 15 and 40% performance improvement. It also works in VR chat to drive your avatar's eyes, just like you see Ian's eyes driven by his eye tracking. Mine is simulated on Quest 2. And yeah, it also has automatic IPD adjustment. So just like on Apple Vision Pro, and on Pico 4 Enterprise, you don't have to adjust the IPD of this thing anymore. It, the lenses will mechanically move to match your eyes based on the eye tracking. So yeah, uh, it's a $1,600 headset. The people who've had it so far say it's got some rough edges, but they're refining it out with firmware updates. Uh, it looks like a pretty solid headset, but it's not really a standalone headset in any practical way. This is a PC VR headset with wireless capability. That's- yeah, I mean, to be clear, I mean, you're you're get you're you're being very fair. I I would describe to 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 Pimax and the Crystal platform. Um there is no substitution for number of apps accessible in VR, right? And right now Meta is the leader, right? You go into Meta, you've got and the the world's best collection of standalone VR content. You hook it up to a PC and you have the wealth of everything that runs on PC. Nothing comes close to that package of, of content right now. Well, and I would say Pico comes close. Pico, not Pimax, but Pico. This thing is, yeah. it does not come close. So what okay. does Quest have? Thousands of apps. Pico has something like somewhere between 500 and 1,000. This has eight and they're all terrible. You would be crazy to buy this as a standalone <laughs> headset. You, I just- this is, all right, no. All right, no, no, we've done it. Okay, no, I just wanted, you know, he was being, he's doing him justice. I wanted to make sure you contextualized uh, what this is compared to other things yeah. we discuss. It's a pretty cool PC VR headset, though. It has the same resolution as Varo Aero, Vario Aero for $400 cheaper, and it has inside out tracking. The flaw, I think, in this is that the inside out tracking is not great. This, from a display perspective, from the fact that it is eye tracking, this is a, a pretty decent headset from what from the people that have owned it that I've heard. But its weakness is that positional tracking and controller tracking. It just doesn't match up to other systems, and that's a shame. Uh, we know that you know we can talk all the time about how Pimax's failed to deliver on its promises, how this thing is six months late, how the headset it announced before this thing hasn't shipped yet, how the headset for its handheld console has been <laughs> redesigned and yeah we you can read our articles about this but you know they, they have managed to ship this people are getting it it works for pc if you're playing if you're a sim racer or flight sim enthusiast where tracking doesn't really matter that much here, here's an option for you yeah you can if you have flight simulator <laughs> foveated rendering it's a headset they have a they have a product uh pimax has a product where it's just a mystery box you can just go and buy (laughs) go to their website they're just gonna just throw it in the box and then you know you just open it up and whatever's there it's 
you've got to put it on your body. You know, you've got to put it on your hands if it's a controller or put it on a head if it's a headset. Um, or, you know, what? I don't know what other things they might throw in that mystery box. I think they give you an indication. But I like this idea, this, 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 the way you're way of presenting is just like, yeah, if you feel like putting it on your head, go, go, I'm not going to stop you. Like that's, that's your overall vibe of describing Pimax. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, because of the company's quality issues, we wouldn't recommend this. You, you know, their customer support is notoriously pretty terrible. Uh, sometimes you're going to get a dud headset. If you want to risk it, go for it. That's what I would say about this. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Unity. Unity has starting to charge developers per install the morning on Twitter and threads has been just a a nightmare a scenario for a lot of developers just absolutely furious with unity for making this change can you walk us through how this changes the game for develop developers out there yeah this really came out of nowhere and we cannot understate just how mad developers are game developers vr developers people who use unity there are a lot of problems with this idea the idea that past a certain install and revenue threshold, Unity is not going to charge a per install fee to these developers. They have not clarified whether this will include piracy. So, you know, presumably the system here is going to have within the engine, they will have bundled in unremovable tracking code that phones back to Unity and tells how many people have installed the title. Uh, this is going to be a nightmare for things like free-to-play games where, you know, you're having a lot of people install it and maybe not even play it or actually engage with content. This is going to have a huge problem for giveaways and, and charity bundles. Developers are now going to have to ask themselves, hang on, this is no longer something I'm doing for free. This is something I'm now going to have to do for negative revenue. This is a model that we have not seen in other game engines before. The typical model before the modern wave of game engines was royalties, where they took a percentage of your sales. I think some developers would describe that as very fair. That used to be the system. Uh, that kind of went away over time. Uh, that was what was in Unity Pro beforehand. But yeah, uh, the backlash about this is astonishing. And I would be very, very surprised if this isn't reversed. One, The only reason that I think this is happening is Unity a few years ago, in the pandemic became a public company so they are now responsible to shareholders they have a uh, you know legal mandate to do whatever they can to increase their share price i think a lot of developers would say that unity's decision in the past few years has been have been remarkably disappointing and that going public was a terrible mistake for mm. the wider game development community yeah uh James O'Laughlin saying that Anton Hand pointed out that the Steam PR room setup utility is built on Unity. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not good. Um, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we will see what happens with this. This is a very you know developing story, uh, of course, right? Like if if Unity keeps up um, with its pricing, we will see developers jump ship, and that's harder. Like like those are big words. Developers spend years to building expertise in a particular tool set. It is painful and expensive to switch uh, at any time in production. Um, so, yes, they may want to change. Actually, changing is a different thing. And we'll have to see if, if people actually uh, change shit. But you need to, for people that aren't familiar, this is the app store, app, app engine used by the majority of developers out there. 
Yeah, for for VR specifically, it's it's somewhere on the order of eighty or ninety percent of VR apps out there are using Unity. This app is using Unity. A huge problem is that Meta releases the vast majority of their developer features either first for Unity or only for Unity. Meta has actually kind of built up a a crippling dependency on Unity, I would argue. And I've been arguing for years and years now that the worst mistake Mark Zuckerberg ever made was to not instantly start building their own game engine as soon as they acquired Oculus. This dependency on a on an engine that has become a complete mess, that is now a public company, that is you know rudderless and just doing whatever it can to maximize revenue, doesn't seem to have any kind of overarching strategy is is built of all of these many different components that are in different stages of development this is a mess of an engine it is not designed for vr the, the amount of absolute clunk and wasted time and effort that's needed to get from going to install unity to a hello world vr app is is astounding and when you compare that to apple's experience with their engine reality kit and their editor reality composer pro it is night and day one of the things even though Apple is a smaller market, people who are building an app for just Vision Pro using Apple's tools are going to have significantly lower cortisol levels than people that are using Unity. And uh, yeah, I think it's an absolute shame that Meta didn't build their own engine for VR. Yeah, interesting. And yeah, I'm just imagining like I'm see, I saw people all over like at this 20 cents per install thing of just imagining like deleting the app and reinstalling. Like if I wanted to, if I wanted to hurt you economically... I could I could do that as a as a scheme to to punish you by deleting you know installing your app and deleting it until you know I rack up enough fees. Um, yeah, this is not going to you know there's we'll get details on it, but it's just how how much they stick to their guns is going to be a real question. And I think I might have to leave you on like a final note here, David, as we move to the final subject because I have a hard stop I have to go to as we move to the final subject of of the news day. Um, and it's just I want to leave on a note of just the span of 30, 20 years is still unfolding. We're uh, noting it with our audience. But I this period that I grew up in from college, uh, high school to now watched Apple go from just just to become the biggest company on the planet with the most dominant computing platform on the planet. And we're transitioning to this new era. And what I what I remember about the early days of this platform that is now dominant planet wide, it was this period of iPhone app developers so excited about this prospect of having what is effectively a computer in your pocket and a beautiful touchscreen, new surface with which to like invent new games. You could invent new game styles, entirely new genres all on your own. And I saw all these developers go and do and adopt this new new platform and build amazing things with it. But what happened around 2008 or so was venture capitalists, hundreds of millions of dollars got poured into these early developers. And over time, they struggled to make money year after year after year. And eventually, the apps went to free to play, right? Like they they had to support themselves using lesser and lesser models. So there was this period here in the early days of the Apple App Store where people were inventing amazing new things on a weekly basis, and they were $15 each, and you paid for them, and they worked. But people couldn't turn those into multi-year businesses, and venture capitalists you know, invested in a lot of these things, and we ended up with really, really cool things like Uber that lets us go everywhere. 
uh, wherever we want, but also had all sorts of problems because workers weren't compensated. It's, it's a big story. The changing of platforms and the changing of our lives is a story that plays out over decades, right? And we're coming around to AR and VR at just the beginning stages of, of these new platforms. And I think about things like Unity and having them go and try to squeeze all of their developers for money. How much of the seeds of this behavior were set back in that 2008, 2009 time period, right? Like, is this a result of Apple turning off the ad, the ad tracking spigot that every company out there was profiting from? You look at Meta, you look at Google, you look at all of these other companies dramatically changing their business models, their approaches left and right, having to wring everything they possibly can out of AI and the data that they've harvested in their libraries. Um, what I'm what I'm wondering is how much of it goes back to those early years of the platform, 2008, 2009, when Google spun up its app store and Apple set the first policies in place. And now Apple needs to get every last dollar they can get out of the iPhone platform while trying to build the Vision Pro platform. And Meta wants to build up its new platform to, to take some of this away from everyone else, right? Remember, you have to put context like this in context that Meta multiple times has tried to purchase this company, right? And we're unable to. And that when I see this pricing, what I see are the results of like, bad decisions that played out in the past. And like, it's what, what all of that is to say, I've seen developers hurting for decades of just squeezed by these platforms in various ways for every dollar that they're good for. And I, I don't want to see it repeat. I'm, I keep thinking about what can we do in this next era of computing to make sure that the developers who make these games actually get most of the dollars that they, you know, they sell the game for because the people out there watching our show, our fans that, that support us and also support the developers, they want to give that money to the developers. Like they want to buy games. And there's so many of them that hate the, the, the free to play models and the ad supported models. But like, how do we keep this going for 10 to 15, 20 years where devs can keep, you know, retire happy after building 10 great games in their lives and giving millions of people wonderful experiences in virtual reality. I don't, I don't want to see the ad supported nightmare ecosystems that we have in ready player one. And we think about when we see, uh, very bad ideas uttered by these, these companies. Um, so yeah, that's my big, uh, leaving note. And now you can get into, uh, where we're going to go with steam next. So I'll see you next week. Thank you so much. See you. Yeah, no, that is uh, fascinating to think about because the, the idea of app ad supported models in VR, it's going to be a lot more abrasive than it is on a mobile screen. Obviously, many people already find it pretty ugly to look down at the top and bottom of their mobile game and see these ads kind of injected in, but that's going to be a lot different when these are physical 3D objects. Uh, Guy Godin in our comments, the developer of Virtual Desktop, is pointing out that there are great free and open source engines out there. And that's very true. You know, Godot, uh, I think it's pronounced Godot or is, or is it Godot? I think it's Godot. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe it's Godot uh, is, a, is a great example. I've actually played around with it, even though I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, they have been working on VR support. Meta sent them some headsets, but 
it still comes down to it that when Meta or Pico or even Valve release a new SDK feature, they release it for Unity first. Unreal gets it six months down the line, 12 months down the line, sometimes never. I think, uh, I, I think the meta avatars that I'm, we're using right now are, are still not released in Unreal. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they still aren't released in Unreal. And that's the case for a few features. But yeah, let's talk about that last piece of news, which is the speculation and potential evidence that Valve is working on a consoleized PC with the ability to wirelessly stream to a wireless VR headset. So until now, a lot of the speculation around Deckard has been the idea that it will be a fully standalone headset, like a Quest or a Pico, where the compute is on board or maybe even kind of padded on to the back and it's running off of a battery. But what some of this recent evidence is suggesting is that instead, Valve's approach may be to release a kind of first-party Steam machine, a Steam Deck console that would sit in your living room just like a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox and be able to wirelessly connect to a headset that is kind of a thin client and power it. And so that way you would get a lot of the advantages of standalone in that, you know, you turn on the headset and it automatically sends a remote command to this console to turn on and boot Steam VR and start sending images because this is running Valve Steam OS. They're not worry, worrying about the kind of compatibility and uh, jank of Windows. And then you're in, but it would have the rendering advantages of PC where you get this high performance fan cooled with a multiple large cooling fan device that's drawing from your power socket hundreds of watts to be able to run high fidelity experiences like Half-Life Alex. And so we can kind of go over some of the findings here. A lot of this is from YouTuber, sadly, it's Bradley and his crew of Steam data miners on his Discord who are always, always digging into all of these Steam VR and Steam in general updates digging into sometimes Steam Deck firmware, Index firmware, trying to find Valve's clues that they sometimes leaked to what they may be doing next. So Valve, to be clear, has actually publicly confirmed that they are working on a VR headset. That fact is not speculation. In December 2021, Gabe Newell said the company was making big investments in new headsets. In October 2022, we got the most direct evidence yet where Valve posted a job listing to for a computer vision engineer to, and I'm quoting, prototype, ship, and support a VR headset for millions of customers worldwide. And the job responsibilities included inside-out tracking, camera pass-through, the mixed reality that you see on Quest 3, for example, environment understanding, eye tracking, and hand tracking. Then in December... Valve product designer Greg Coomer told a Korean news magazine that the company had been working on a new VR headset recently. So that they are working on a headset is a fact. The question is, what exactly is this headset going to be? Uh, so the Steam Deck handheld console is Valve's most recent hardware, and it's kind of their new era of hardware. And it uses a custom AMD APU called Van Gogh. And an APU, if you're not familiar, is just a single chip that combines a CPU and GPU uh, for uh, better power and performance efficiency. Uh, sorry, better power and cost efficiency. 
in an Xbox Series X or an Xbox Series S or a PlayStation 5, those have AMD APUs. The Steam Deck uses a kind of much lower power version for your hand. But presumably this consoleized PC would use a very similar one to the likes of a PlayStation 5. Anyway, so that APU is called Van Gogh and it was codenamed Aerith in development. The Steam Deck itself, the handheld, was codenamed Jupiter. But last week, Linux news website, Foronix, Foronix, noticed a new Valve device called Galileo, codenamed Galileo, with a new APU codenamed Sephiroth being added to the Linux sound drivers. So back in February, a data miner, Rasbo, discovered this Galileo codenamed device in the Steam Deck firmware. and But unlike the Steam Deck, it had capabilities such as a proximity sensor and a small rounded touchscreen display, almost like the kind of display you'd find in a smartwatch and a proximity sensor. So uh, that wouldn't be expected in a Steam Deck refresh model. This couldn't be a Steam Deck Pro or a Steam Deck OLED because these are very different capabilities. And Valve has actually said just a few months ago that the next generation Steam Deck is years away. So uh, we know that YouTuber Sadly It's Bradley and his team have been uh, looking for future Valve VR plans for years now. And the original findings that revealed the existence of this headset codenamed Deckard showed that the headset would interface with a VR link wireless feature, kind of similar to Quest's AirLink, but except the PC itself creates the wireless hotspot rather than it going through your Wi-Fi network. Now, you may note the fact that most PCs don't have a wireless chip. Some motherboards do, but typically a, a gaming PC, that's not something people tend to care about. They tend to go for Ethernet. Uh, so that was the first kind of hint that something odd was going on here. Uh, specifically, you know, a hint towards this maybe being a SteamOS PC that is has a wireless chip on board. And uh, Lynch's team also find references to things like a share screen function so that the headset could share its screen to another device. Again, something that you wouldn't really expect uh, otherwise. The, all of these kind of findings seem to suggest, uh, as well as a, he- a feature to remotely update the headset's firmware over a local network. All of these findings suggest a dual architecture, a consoleized PC running SteamOS rather than a standalone headset. Now, you may point out, didn't this already happen with Steam machines? But Steam machines were third-party computers that just happened to run SteamOS. They were still built by typical PC companies using off-the-shelf components and, crucially, had to have a hardware margin. Those companies had to make their own money. The Steam Deck, Valve has heavily hinted, is sold either at cost or below cost. So what Valve could do with this consoleized PC, a console that runs SteamOS, is sell it at cost or below cost. And if they have a bundle where they have this wireless headset and the console, they could deliver prices that are more akin to a PS5 and a PSVR 2, or even start to come close to some of the standalone headset systems rather than being the, the price of building a full PC. So to be clear, there, there's every expectation that this headset would also work with your gaming PC if you're a PC gamer. But it would also bring in this entirely new market of people who don't want to build a gaming PC or don't want to have that kind of desktop PC experience, but who may say, okay, so I'll get the Steam Deck experience, but in my living room 
instead of in my hand. And then I'll also be able to upgrade to a wireless VR experience anytime I want. It's the same pitch as consoles, but you have the extra freedom of the fact that this is a PC. It's running SteamOS, a, a distro of Linux. You can theoretically, if it's anything like Steam Deck, you can run Windows on it. You have the power to do what you want with it and you still get access to this huge library of PC games. Some of the findings of Lynch's team suggest that you'll be able to play those PC games in, in a virtual cinema screen, just like what app, what we were talking Apple Vision Pro doing with iPad apps or, you know, with Mac apps that are streamed from your Mac. You'll be able to stream these traditional games in a theater screen in front of you. So that headset also acts as the monitor. You wouldn't even theoretically need to plug this thing into a TV. All of this kind of indicates that Valve could be trying to bring fidelity as one of their kind of core uh, goals. And the, the idea of this being a standalone headset never fully made sense to me because the fundamental problem with Valve releasing a standalone like Quest would be that they would have to build a separate Steam VR mobile store or build a different section of the Steam store where all of these games have been ported over to run on mobile chipsets, just like happens on Quest and Pico. You cannot today, with any conceivable technology, put the power of a PC onto your head uh, powered by a battery. Even the Snapdragon XR2 Gen 2 that will launch with Quest 3 is only something like a third as powerful as the GTX 1060 that is the minimum spec for Half-Life Alex. So even the state-of-the-art mobile chip coming soon is a third of the performance you would want for Alex. If you want these games on Steam VR, you you have to have an external processing unit that is drawing power from a socket like a PC. Valve may be saying, "We'll give you this in a streamlined, consoleized factor." And this presumably wouldn't just be for VR. In the same way that Steam Deck expanded the market for PC gaming by putting it into people's hands, this product would bring it to their living rooms. You may point out that Steam Deck can already be docked, but that device is designed for its 800p screen. That's less than half the pixels of 1080p. That's why Steam Deck works, because it's using a relatively low-power APU to power a relatively low-resolution screen. This box would need to be more powerful than that. It would need to, to draw to be designed to draw power from a socket and power a much more powerful chipset that is much more akin to something like you'd find in a PlayStation. And this actually kind of, this idea of fidelity does match what we've heard from Gabe Newell in the past, where in 2017, he actually said, if you took the existing VR systems and made them 80% cheaper, there's still not a huge market. We actually think that if anything, most of the interesting stuff is going to be happening on the high end that we're actually resolution constrained, we're CPU constrained, we're GPU constrained. That's where the interesting stuff is going to happen, not on the low end of the market. Once you've got it, once you've got something people can say, okay, this is the thing that causes millions of people to be excited about it, then you can start worrying about cost reducing. We saw that with the index as well. Valve didn't release a $500 headset to expand the market. They released a $1,000 headset to expand fidelity. They still don't believe that the likes of Quest and Quest 2 are what people want yet. They want to deliver fidelity. So this could be an absolutely fascinating strategy. So they, these images will be in our article. Uh, on the left here, you see, uh, let's start with the right. On the right here, you see a strange console-like box that was spotted back 
in late 2019 when Valve was demonstrating Half-Life Alex to the press in Jeff Keighley's uh, video where he tried Half-Life Alex at Valve's headquarters. This box was clearly visible in the corner and it's something that hadn't been seen before. Now, note this circular lighted area. Remember before that Galileo, this future product from Valve that has been spotted in the firmware, was mentioned as having a rounded touchscreen display and a proximity sensor. Well, sadly, it's Bradley's team of data miners and and searchers found a Valve patent that seems to depict exactly this, a living room console where that uses a proximity sensor so that when you come near it, it lights up a small rounded display. This display could uh, presumably be used to provide some kind of context uh, of to other people, maybe some sort of system information, a boot state, error codes, things like that, so that even when this isn't plugged into a TV, you still have a kind of debug state from using this with a headset. And so in the middle, this is again just an image of some of the headsets we've seen in Valve design patterns over the years. So this is what this could look like. Again, this is from late 2019. So this is years and years ago. There presumably could have been a large project shift. So um, I'm just going to go through the comments. If anyone has any questions or comments, please bring them in now. I'm trying to run this sort of solo here without Ian. So just bear with me here. Big Bomb is saying Jupiter and Galileo are references to the device's respective motherboards, right? It's unclear. It does seem that either the Steam Deck was codenamed Jupiter or its board was codenamed Jupiter. It doesn't really matter in in this context or in the grand scheme of things. What we do know is that this is a distinctly different device than Steam Deck. Jupiter, Steam Deck, Galileo, whatever this thing is. Uh, Demonic Waffles points out that Newell had said in 2017 that wireless was a solved problem and that he expected 2018's VR headsets to all be wireless. That obviously didn't pan out, so it's important to note that not everything Newell says comes to be. Uh, we do know that Valve did acquire a wireless VR, a wireless transmission company, Nidero, back in the day, so it may be using some of this IP. We, I would expect that whatever uh, the situation here, this thing is going to have some impressive wireless hardware. Maybe it's Wi-Fi 6E, maybe it's even 60 gigahertz Y-gig. But the focus here is that if you Valve controls the hardware and software from end to end, they can focus on delivering an experience that is much better than just driving a uh, wireless system through your existing home Wi-Fi network. Maybe we could even see foveated transport, which is something you may not have heard about before, which is similar to foveated rendering, but takes the same approach to the actual image transmission. So the area you're looking at, the computer will send the actual output image at a higher resolution and focus on that. That requires a very, very, very low latency link between the eye tracking system and the PC. But again, this is going to be a headset running Valve firmware and software. This is presumably going to be a box running Valve firmware and software and Valve hardware. Remember that that APU in Steam Deck is semi-custom with AMD. And this, all indications suggest they can do that again. Uh, Demonic Waffles is pointing out that Valve uh, 
back in 2019 announced Index just before the release of Quest and Rift S. So it's, there's a tantalizing possibility that we see at the very least a hint from Valve before Connect. That would be, uh, that would be a big, big event in the history of VR. This being, if this was announced right before Quest 3, that could take a large chunk out of Quest 3 sales for a certain portion of the market. Again, though, it obviously depends at what price the bundle here would come in. Uh, Wobble pointing out that Steam Machine's problem wasn't just that they were sold at a profit, so had to be priced higher than consoles, but they also came before Proton, which is Valve's compatibility layer that allows Windows games to run on Steam Deck. That's a great point. So now they can perhaps have a Proton VR where they make sure that all of this the VR games that were built for Windows could also run in this Linux Steam OS environment. That's something that Valve is obviously very good at. We, the Steam Deck has pulled that off in a way that no one would have ever imagined possible. So that's fascinating. Uh, a nasty J-Man saying, so the setup is like Steam Deck is a wireless puck for the Deckard HMD? Kind of. It's more that it is it is a full-on computer that is also a wireless puck A lot of people kind of just questioning, you know, how this would affect their uh, decision to potentially purchase Quest 3. Agreed that that would be uh, a fascinating thing. George Jorgensen is asking, why would Valve sell this console for less than a profitable price when they're not even willing to cut the price on Index? That's a very good point. But that was the old era of Valve hardware. Uh, it looks like, you know, the Steam Deck marks a new era where it is being sold at cost or less. So Perhaps the other thing is the index is actually quite fundamentally expensive. It doesn't rely on technologies that are coming down in price. The Steam VR base station tracking system uses these kind of hard drive spinning motors and uh, some other kind of very expensive approaches. It was never designed to be a cost-effective product. It's very possible that the uh, Deckard is designed with a lot more cost sensibility in mind. Apologies for this. I am just plugging my headset in as I'm about to run out of battery. The joys of running a VR podcast in real time. Okay, I'm back. Uh, AKA Big Worm is asking, you know, would this Steam West approach split the user base? Uh, well, that's the advantage of Proton is that Valve no longer has to split a user base when using its Linux distro. It can bring in all of these different applications. I see a lot of people kind of uh, agreeing with this approach that Valve may potentially be taking because, you know, it does give you a lot of the advantages of console and standalone and a lot of the advantages of PC. James O'Loughlin saying that this looks a lot like the Steam Machine dev kit released by Valve 10 years ago. Yeah, it's possible that this is just a Steam Machine dev kit. It actually kind of does look a little bit different, though. Again, that is potentially what it is, but it would be kind of odd to have that sitting there in 
the VR demo room for Half-Life Alex 10 years later. Maybe it's just uh, something that was left there and never taken out, but that would be a kind of very odd decision. But yeah, I think it's uh, just about time to wrap up the show. Uh, the Ryan B asks, do we think that they'll release a controller alongside this, like a uh, new Steam controller? That's a great question. If this isn't used... Uh, if this is used for non-VR as well, if this is sold as a console, as a competitor to PS5 and Xbox, presumably Valve would want to release a new Steam controller. But it's also possible that they just ask people to go out and buy an Xbox or PlayStation controller the same way that if you're using Apple Vision Pro, Apple doesn't have its own gamepad but supports the Xbox and PlayStation controllers. So yeah, let's let's wrap up the show now. Artful is saying that they are very surprised that Demio was announced for Apple Vision Pro. I think that's fascinating too. People don't realize that the Apple Vision Pro is still going to be capable of playing games. Rec Room was also announced for it. It's just, as I keep kind of saying, it's not games where you're pushing a thumbstick around and pressing buttons on an Xbox controller split into two. It's games where you're using your hands to directly interact. A lot of titles are probably going to start adding support for hand tracking as it gets better in Quest 3. And as headsets in the future, potentially from the likes of Samsung, also don't support hand tracking. Uh, We'll have to see what the market does. Mark Zuckerberg certainly seems to think that controllers are essential for VR. He has talked about that on the Lex Freeman podcast and a few other interviews. He's talked about how his vision of VR for the foreseeable future includes these controllers, but it doesn't look like other companies agree with them. But yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Uh, apologies for the kind of minor technical issues at the end here. Uh, Redsters corrected me in saying that Valve did not acquire Nitro. They invested in Nitro. That's a very, very good point. I misspoke. I had meant to say invested, but obviously I said acquired. Yes, they invested in Nitro, which is a company that was working on high bandwidth wireless link chips. AMD acquired them. AMD is Valve's partner for this Steam Deck with this semi-custom APU. It is presumably Valve's partner for this next product, potentially with a semi-custom APU. Uh, That's going to be fascinating to see how does that AMD partnership work through. Could that also include things like AMD's FSR technology? Could that be built in to Valve's Deckard headset? A lot of this is speculation. I want to be crystal clear that you know all that we've heard from Valve is that they are making a headset. All of these details that we're talking about today are based on firmware findings, Linux driver update findings, speculation, and potential possibility. We will have an article piecing this all together up on Upload VR later. You can also watch kind of Sadly Bradley's video on this where he pieces together the speculation in his own way. And yeah, this is it. What we do know is that there is a huge pent up demand for a VR product from Valve. The index is well over four years old. We don't want to be setting in a situation where, you know, for gaming with controllers, Meta is the only viable option and Valve is sitting there with a five year old, outdated, obsolete piece of hardware and not offering anything else. I don't think Valve's going to let it get it to five years. I think if we don't hear anything, in this next few months of the holiday season, then they will potentially wait for the five-year anniversary of Index to usher in what the, their vision of the next era of Steam VR. Thanks so much, uh, everyone in this uh, that has attended this show. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. We will be broadcasting next week, 
And as Ian mentioned, we are coming very close now to MetaConnect at the end of the month. And we will be bringing you all of our speculation beforehand and all of our coverage of MetaConnect where we expect Quest 3 to be likely launched. Thanks so much, everyone. We will see you in the future.